So we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount in the next uh, couple of months, um, exploring this amazing um, yeah, passage of Scripture, uh, amazing teaching from Jesus. Um, and uh, as part of it as well, I just want to talk through a bit of, of the vision for us as, and this heartbeat of our purpose. Uh, and this is in you know, joining with what Hepburn Heights is doing um, uh, but as you see, on if you open up your little booklets, um, oh. <laughs> if you want, there's some more there. What are you guys feel like? That? <clears throat> um, <laughs> uh, so uh, we have here this this kind of purpose circle, and this is just about helping locate us what what we're doing, how we're growing. Um, Heather, thank you so much. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Just servant-hearted, just there for the people. Um, uh, yeah, so we have our, our locating purpose statement, which is Jesus gives life to the full and then we're called to live it and share it. And this is kind of that heartbeat of our purpose, that Jesus actually brings us to life and transforms us. And, and that should uh, change how we live and change how we treat each other and... Um, uh, yeah, it, that's what it calls of us as Jesus gives life to the full that we're called to live it and share it. And then out of that, that's our why, that's our purpose. And then how we continue to let that be a reality is through these core principles of devotion, of, of uh, prayer, Bible and discipleship community, these core biblical principles that have been in the church history uh, forever, uh, things that always get talked about but are so key and important. Um, and this has kind of been a bit of adjustment to the purpose circles from last year, adding this circle because, um, uh, yeah, Pastor Jace and the, the team really wanted to emphasise the importance of these things um, and us fighting for this in our lives uh, is so key and important for uh, Jesus giving life, for us living and sharing, and that being a reality is how it happens through that personal devotion with God. Uh, and then as a response, as, as we grow in those things and we let that personal devotion change us, then um, out of us what happens is that we, we continue to grow as influencers, that we make a difference in our, our community, we make a difference in our family, in um, our workplace, we uh, grow as influencers um, uh, and that we foster family and friendships, that we're fostering, fostering the relationships that we have, really nurturing and caring for one another, uh, and that we go beyond, that we uh, go beyond what, what we know, our walls, and actually see others make a difference in other people's lives. And so um, this is a, a great just graph of kind of locating what we're doing, what we're pushing for and believing for, um, uh, and asking ourselves how we're, how we're actually letting this become a reality in our lives. And as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, um, uh, the title of the series is called The Disciple. And a uh, big thing about what I want to uh, keep talking about and unpacking and looking at as a community is how we can actually be the disciple Jesus is calling us to be. Not just kind of do the, the bare minimum, not just do what we think we should be doing, but actually really become the disciple that Jesus is calling us to be as we study his words, study his teaching, and let that become a reality. And as we do that, go through this sermon, we'll see so much of what these purpose circles are happening out um, and coming to life as we explore the words of uh, Jesus. Now, uh, our church looks a bit different than what it did a year ago. It's been a year since... 
before in before COVID. This hasn't even been a year yet, uh, and it looks a little bit different. We we're in the town hall still, um, and we're in this home now. It's, I mean, it's pretty similar. We've still got you know a lot of similar faces, some new faces, but um, uh, we look a little different, uh, and it's been exciting. For Michaela and I, well, you know, for me, I love, I actually enjoy change. I enjoy thinking about new things that could happen and how uh, God is actually working in this, that this is an opportunity we've had over the season. This disruption is, is an opportunity to hear God's voice and hear what he's calling us and how he's calling us to act and uh, behave in this time. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I think it's just interesting to, to realise that if we're, we're not careful, we could use church as a means of actually getting something that we want from church uh, and as a means of uh, utilising church to benefit us and just to kind of give us our little fix and feel we could utilise the, the, the kids' program to get rid of our kids for an hour. Um, we could utilise free meal and good coffee because it's delicious and that's just something that you can utilise. Uh, we could utilise the community because we could feel lonely and isolated and just use church for those things. We could easily, if we're not careful, just come to church because of those reasons. Um, and I think it's so important to check and, and ask ourselves. And, and last year was a great opportunity to, to have that kind of check of why do I actually come to church? What's the real reasons? Am I actually coming for these kind of superficial reasons or am I actually coming to worship Jesus? Because that's what church is all about, as we know. Our, our core purpose is to worship Jesus. This is the core purpose of what we're called to do in church. The central place is honouring Jesus and hearing his voice, of, of acknowledging his goodness and uh, amazingness in our world. And that's the centrality of what we're called to do in church. Um, uh, and that's what we get to do. And, I mean, those other things are great. Life, you know, kids' programs, food, all that stuff is good and nice, but that can never be the, the core reason of why we come to church. And as, so as we, we go through this sermon, as we unpack these words, uh, you know, I really just want to unpack what it truly means to be the disciple Jesus is calling us to be and not just be caught up uh, with the superficial things of Christianity, because uh, it's so easy to do, just get caught up, not even realising that we're actually just using and utilising church or utilising our Christian faith as a means of making us feel good or as a means of just ticking a box, uh, but truly just ask ourselves some deeper questions about why am I doing this? Why am I truly following these, these practices and letting God transform me? And so uh, today we're going to look at just the Beatitudes, um, uh, these very famous words at the beginning of the Sermon of Jesus and um, some of the context about preceding this this sermon is um, before this in Matthew, uh, Jesus has just been baptised by John the Baptist, comes out of the waters and, and a great commissioning from God the Father of this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. This, this great commissioning of God being upon him and his spirit comes upon him like a dove. And the, then Jesus goes out in the wilderness as is tempted and, and goes through this um, temptation phase and where he's empowered by the spirit to overcome evil. Uh, and then out of that place of wilderness, he comes out and he starts declaring that the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
starts declaring these things and that people from all over the world, it wasn't just Jews um, coming to Jesus. It describes just before um, this sermon that people from all over the world are coming to hear Jesus, coming to be healed by Jesus, come to experience his power. He, he finds some disciples. He gathers them together. He can kind of feel this cool, exciting time that Jesus has just come up where we've got this amazing teacher, this healer. He get, grabs some disciples. Uh, it's this buzzy time, this exciting time that they're uh, and, uh, kind of starting this, this phase of what Jesus is about to do, this ministry of Jesus. Uh, and so in this time, he kind of sits by a mountain and that kind of all points back to, this is large, big symbolism, pointing back to the Moses in the Exodus days of when Moses came out of Egypt, they came to the mountain, the Mount Sinai, and Moses heard the law. He heard the uh, the Torah, the, these these commandments from God, of which he initiated in the people of Israel and taught. This was the key teaching and um, a law of that time in the Israel. And so here we have in this moment for Jesus, he's he's saying, "I am the new Moses, bringing the new teaching. There is a new covenant that I am bringing. This is this is the crux of what." Um, the kingdom of heaven is all about. This is the crux of what I'm bringing uh, here, Jesus on earth, God on earth. Uh, and so it's a full exciting time. Um, and uh, in the beginning of this, these Beatitudes, there's this word that gets used a lot, um, this word blessed or blessed. Uh, and uh, this this word is the Greek word makarios um, and uh, when we think of the word blessed, uh, we can easily kind of think of this destination or this thing that we get. If we get a new job, then we consider ourselves blessed, hashtag blessed. When we, when we get those, that dream thing, when we, when we get something given to us, we get given a free dinner or we, uh, we just consider ourselves blessed when we've reached a destination or we've been given something, it's kind of this point that you get to and that makes me blessed because I get that thing. That I've been believing for, but this word makarios is this a different kind of uh, meaning. It doesn't just mean this location of which you go to, but it's more a, a commentator kind of puts it as a state of flourishing. It's a space in which we live in. It's it's kind of this whole person experience that when we come into a blessed state, a flourishing state, things happen in our lives where we kind of feel uh, accepted. And uh, we feel the worth and love of the flourishing moment. Hey, Elijah. Um, uh, and it's, yeah, babies are great. I love it. Don't even worry, Colin. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we, we come into this space. And I remember um, uh, when Pastor Jace taught on the Sermon on the Mount, he kind of explained this word, makarios, is, is almost like this kind of circle space on which when you come into this kind of space, it's not this destination that you reach, but it's kind of this space that you enter that's with you, that you bring with you, not uh, arrive at, but it's actually something that is with you, this state of flourishing that is around you. And... Um, as we read in this, the Beatitudes, flourishing and blessing doesn't just have to come when we have something good happen to us. You can also flourish in the midst of persecution. 
you can flourish in the midst of pain. So it's not hashtag blessed because I've got what I wanted. It's actually you live a blessed life when you actually can endure the hardships and know that God is with you. You can endure and be in a space of feeling the acceptance and love, even though things may not happen that you want. It's in the midst of the hardship that when we know that we're loved and know that we're accepted and we live in that space of flourishing, that's, that's the space we want to be in. Not a space of kind of fighting for just everything that we want. Sometimes I actually want to get something that I don't want <laughs> because it's good for me. Yeah. I like to be challenged sometimes. So, you know, most of the time I don't want to be, but <laughs> uh, sometimes I do. It's good to kind of challenge ourselves in, and be in that space of flourishing. And so that's kind of that, that way of living that we're talking about here. And so uh, we're going to read a bit of the, the, the passage there um, of which... Uh, is been kind of uh, translated by uh, one of the, the the scholars that has a um, yeah one of the commentaries I've been reading by Jonathan Pennington, uh, and so he kind of re tra- he translate that word blessing for flourishing there just to give us a different look, something that's familiar just feel a little bit different for us, and so um, uh, why not? Peter, since that you you know help so help so beautifully, can you read for us this uh, this right? No, just in the piece of paper that's oh, there okay. is yeah, that's there. You don't have to find it for it. It's written there for you to read. Sorry, just the uh, the. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Flourishing are the poor in spirit because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Flourishing are the mourners because they will be comforted. Flourishing are the humble because they will inherit the world. Flourishing are the ones hungering and thirsting for righteousness, because they will be satisfied. Flourishing are the merciful, because they will be given mercy. Flourishing are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Flourishing are the peacemakers, because they will be called the children of God. Flourishing are the ones persecuted on account of righteousness, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Flourishing are you whenever people revile everyone and slander. Slander, it should be slander, sorry. Typo. Slater. Slander and speak all kinds of evil things against you on account of you. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. In the same way people slandered the prophets who came before you. Beautiful. Thank you. I didn't even write the uh, Bible reference at the top. It's Matthew 5, uh, from <laughs> verse th- 3 to 12. Uh, Slater. Catch a Slater. Uh, this, these are like powerful words here. And I know many of us have probably read it before and are familiar with um, these words, the word, the Beatitudes. But this is, this is Jesus here. As in that scene again, he's just starting his ministry He's down by a mountain by, uh, with his disciples there, initiating uh, what is to become the new covenant, is this, this kingdom of heaven. And here he is saying these words. And this is revolutionary. This is like a radical revision of the people of God. It's like totally different to how even the, they would have thought we should be called to Oh, and, and even so, so radically different to how our culture says we should be trying to live. That we, sh- we shouldn't be just trying to be poor in spirit, where we should just be humbly kind of submitting ourselves to others. That we should be taking on 
people and like this is just a backwards way of thinking but Jesus here this is the beginning of what he's saying trying to really address and set the scene of what a disciple is called to be he's answering that longing for happiness in that that blessed flourishing state longing for that happiness that our culture is longing for he's addressing that and saying that's not just found if you are more powerful that's not just found if you kind of dominate people that's not found when you get all that you want it's actually found as you submit to people that when you're mournful when you're uh, humble when you're righteous when you maybe be persecuted that it comes in these backwards kind of ways jesus here is trying to show us the significance of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And Scott McKnight has written there in the um, quote, he says, Jesus presents not a list of heroes of the faith, nor a list of moral behaviours that describe the truly pious, but rather a redefinition of who the people of God are. They are, the one, they are ones whose lives look like the way of Jesus. Now, this is the call that we have, the disciple, to look and acts like Jesus does. And so there, there are three key concepts that we're going to look at tonight and unpack, uh, found in these, these words of the Beatitudes. Um, and the first one is humility. Humility. As even the first line says, flourished is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. And so that, that phrase, uh, it says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that phrase, kingdom of heaven, even stems back um, from in chapter uh, 3 where God, Jesus comes out of the wilderness and he starts his ministry and he uh, declares repentance for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And so that repentance is what he's drawing back to, that uh, poor in spirit live a repentance kind of life. Someone who repents and is sorry is aware of where they're, uh, they're wrong, aware of where they haven't got it right. And a poor in spirit are willing to humble themselves, are willing to say, hey, I don't have it all together, but I need help. I need the power of Jesus. And that's they and the inheritors of the kingdom of heaven, those who actually realise they don't have it all together. Where persecution and suffering, you can find that flourishing as we've been talking about. Where Jesus you know, himself came as God, represented who, who God is as a suffering servant, as someone who didn't just come to dom, uh, dominate people and belittle people and show that you know, he's more powerful so he can just make people feel little. No, he came as a servant to serve, to give his life. That's the example of what we have, of how we are called to live, this humility is so key and just kind of a, a, a word that we understand the concept of. Most of us would probably get, yeah, I, I need to be humble, but I don't think we really think about it enough. I don't think we actually ask ourselves, and it's kind of difficult, like, am I humble? It's hard to really, you know, it's not something that you go talking about, I'm so humble, guys, because that's kind of the opposite <laughs> of what the, the thing is about. But it's just assessing where we're at and trying to actually be aware of where the pride has sneaked in. And um, this week, I don't know if uh, people have been aware of the news of uh, what's happened with uh, Ravi Zacharias. And it's been kind of been rocking me a bit this week. 
uh, the news of what's been going on. Uh, if you haven't heard, uh, there's a man called Ravi Zacharias who was a world-renowned uh, apologist. Uh, he, yeah, um, sorry? Yes, he died last year. He was a great apologist. Yeah, did this. He had many books. He did these big conferences. He did all this. Uh, had a massive influence in the world, um, and was a part of you know seeing so many lives um, come to find Jesus. He was a part of uh, yeah people through doubt would would uh, use Ravi's resources and all this stuff. But yeah, he passed away last year. Uh, but then this week, uh, it's kind of all come out, and there was allegations pre- prior to this week, but this week there was an actual statement from the RZIM board about um, a lot of Ravi's uh, sexual misconduct that has gone down. It's another sad story of these uh, big men of faith who uh, have lived in incredible lives of this platform and, and amazing influence in what they've said, but then in the background have lived totally opposite lives. And it's just so sad. It grips my heart when this happens because this, these men are, are meant to show what it means to be a man of God, a person of God, um, through the temptation. It showed what it means to fight against those things and still stand strong in the midst of that, through that temptation. And it just, yeah, is, is heartbreaking when this stuff happens. Um, and, you know, really... I'm sure you know breaks God's heart even more. And um, as I was, uh, this is this. That's exactly why we need Jesus. This is why we need humility. Not us, if it was us, we'd all be there. Oh, exactly. And this is why we lead to the point of humility, because no one is is so big that they can't actually accept. No one, and and none of us, um, even you know, Ravi is this big figure, but all of us have the, a seed of this temptation that can take place in which we need to realise we don't have it all together. We need to realise we can't do this by ourselves and we need to, to continue to fight for humility and recognising the prides in our heart will not... They, they just won't just dissolve if we just go, I don't want to do that. No, we actually have to deal with these prides. We need to deal with the things that actually come up and go, maybe if I could have this... Maybe if, if only this thing, I, I could get that. No, we need to put aside all those and, and fight for the humility to be found in Jesus and realise we don't have it all together. And, and as I was um, preparing for this message, I have like a, a list of, of quotes and stories that I kind of compile for sermon prep. Um, and I came across a Ravi quote, and then, uh, I'll kind of just read it. It just says, if it's a total stranger watched your life and knew you both in public and private, what would they conclude the Christian life is all about? And it just kind of broke my heart. That's incredible words. But if he, like he didn't live that. If, if someone saw your public and private life, how would they conclude the Christian life is all about? And I actually, I want to be that person. If someone saw my public and private life, they would conclude who Jesus is I, I just want to be so close to him. And I'm not there yet. I'm not saying that I'm perfect, uh, but I, I just want to fight for that. I want to fight for that for myself. I want us to fight for that, to be people who would stand in, uh, in front of others. If a stranger looked at our public and private life, they would conclude Jesus, wow, has actually changed you. Jesus is at work in your life. Uh, and so when we think about this humility that Jesus calls us to, to be poor in spirit, to be humble because they will inherit the world. <laughs> hey, Olive. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Let me out. <laughs> uh, Bridget, <dude. laughs> yeah, she's encouraging. Um, when, when we think about key actions, what it actually means, how can we live this humility? We actually need to really consider, are we being repentant? Repentance is so big. Like, and we just get by doing things and not even really, oh, yeah, I, I may have stuffed up or I live this kind of way, but that's just what we do. Like, that's just humanity, guys. Like, and we just kind of just blame it on humanity or blame it on my brokenness and we don't repent. We actually need to continue to foster what repentance looks like and live a lifestyle of repentance in our lives and be just upfront with what's going on inside of us with ourselves, with God and with somebody else. We need to learn and fight for what repentance means to to learn and figure out surrender, surrendering to someone like a, a pastor or a friend or surrendering to God truly these deep, dark areas of our life to really surrender what we have and actually give that and just put that out to someone, surrendering. Uh, And then another key action is forgiveness. That forgiveness, unforgiveness just settles in so easily and we can just kind of uh, be okay with not being, harboring and holding on to unforgiveness because someone has wronged us. And we need to fight. And it's not, that is, it's difficult sometimes, particularly if it's a big thing, we need to continue to fight for forgiveness in our lives uh, and see humility take place. Because when we fight for repentance, surrendering and uh, uh, forgiveness, we actually realise I don't have control of my life. This is not about me, but God, I need you. I'm not going to hold on to unforgiveness. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hold on to this prideful state, but I'm going to give it to you in a humble kind of way. And so humility is so big in what Jesus here is teaching in the Beatitudes. And um, if we're actually honest with ourselves, we need to realise we need to do this more often. And I know, I know need to. And I, I constantly try and challenge myself and fight for what it truly means to be humble uh, and live this lifestyle. So everyone okay right now? <laughs> that was kind of deep and dark. But this is the, the reality of what Jesus us are calling to. And I, I wanted to bring in that story because... It, like it's so easy for us to just miss it. We can spend he spent his whole life drawing people closer to Jesus and still just missed it. It's it's open to all of us. We're not none of us is, are just kind of magically just going to miss out on this temptation and miss out on kind of holding on to the pride. We all need to realize that this could happen to us. We could fall in a way that is could really hurt people, and so. We need to come to God with humility. Secondly is righteousness. Uh, and righteousness is kind of that, that, that phrase about like someone who just does everything that's right. But it's so much more than that. In the, in the Hebrew Bible, the um, Hebrew word for righteousness is sadiq. And so this kind of meant um, when God had righteousness, it meant that there was restorative justice. It meant that when someone was done wrong by God would restore, that his righteousness would actually bring justice and restoration to people. His righteousness brought things back together. That's what God's righteousness does. And now our righteousness is to do the will of God, is actually to hear his words and and to let him change us and live a righteous way, do the will of God. And so much of that is centered around that restorative justice the way that we treat one another, the way that we actually, our actions have ramifications on other. And so righteousness is not just 
kind of doing this right and doing that right and being a right person, but righteousness is a whole body experience. Much like that word flourishing is more than just a, a location of blessing, it's actually a whole person when God actually changes all of who we are according to his nature, according to his will, according to his coming kingdom, God changes us, the whole person of who we are. We open up our whole lives. That's what righteousness is all about. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just constantly challenged by how uh, God can truly shape the whole person of who I am and call me to be living his will. Uh, and when we think about our thinking, our thoughts, okay, because our actions kind of come out of some of a lot of what we're thinking about. And our thinkings are, are really brought up by two kind of concepts. They're, they're, much of our thinking are, are captured in our ideas. And our ideas are kind of our di- ideology. I- ideology. Ideology. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> our ideology of, of what we've been brought up, these ideas of how we think life should work, of, of how our culture, our culture really wraps our ideas of how we should believe in our family, of these different ideas about what we think is right about life. That kind of captures a lot of our thinking is our ideas. And then it's also our images. There's certain images of what we see ourselves as and certain images of how we see others should treat us. These kind of two things, our ideas and our images, really capture our thought space. Um, and so what we're called to in a place of righteousness, what we're called to as, as submitting as Jesus' disciple is to submit our ideas and submit our images to Jesus Christ and actually go, maybe I've, this idea I've, I've had about how I've done life, maybe that's wrong. Maybe this idea about the kind of person that I am, maybe I need to continue to submit that. Maybe I've thought too big of myself or, or maybe I've thought too little of myself. That idea of myself, I need to submit to God. And then the, the, the images, the how we see ourselves constantly needs to be submitted to God as we let him change who we are. And that's why kind of getting into the word of God is so important. And so this week, um, there's some devotions that I'll be kind of sending out on email and socials um, uh, about uh, just kind of three devotions during the week. I just want to, in this series, not just kind of share about what, you know, this amazing sermon, but I, I want us to actually take action and take some steps towards doing this and being the disciple he calls us to be. And so um, reading through uh, some of these, this, this part of this sermon and actually being challenged by the words of Jesus and asking ourselves, am I living that righteous life? Am I living the kind of standard of life that Jesus is calling me to live? And, and going there, challenging how we live our behaviours. And then thirdly, um, the third key concept of Beatitudes is found in mercy, the beautiful mercy that we, the, the merciful, the merciful will be given mercy, that the peacemakers, they will be called the children of God, that those who truly bring peace and mercy to this world. And, um, yeah, per- mercy is... Uh, is, is about an action, but it's, it's so much more than action. It's about delivering 
someone from a bondage. It's actually delivering someone out of a bondage. That's what true mercy is actually being there. You know, you could do it physically, but you could also do it by forgiving someone. That's an act of mercy. By forgiving someone, you're releasing them from a bondage that you put on them and that they put on themselves. Forgiveness is, that's why it's so powerful, is it's releasing people from bondage. And so what we're called into bringing mercy into this world is constantly seeing how we can release people from the bondage that, is, that they're under. And so many people are under so many different things through family stress, through work stress, through um, just life, through everything that's going on. There's weights that goes on to people. There's this weight that people carry in life. And what I want to keep thinking about is how can I actually be someone with non-anxious presence to actually release some of that stress and weight from people's lives and actually bring mercy. Uh, and this is a big part of what, how Jesus calls us to live, to bring mercy. And, and so uh, some key actions for us is to continue to think about Think about in our days, how do I actually generously deliver someone from a bondage? Like how can I even just greeting someone and show kindness in a way that actually softens them and actually releases some of that stress and actually releases some of that pain, whether that's by physically giving something to someone or if it's just a kind word that actually eases someone. Actually thinking and considering how we can be mercy givers in our world and so these are three kind of key concepts for us to think about this week Uh, and um, you know the devotions during the week will kind of centralize on one of those each to really think about how we can live a a humble a righteous and a merciful kind of way and uh, be the disciples that jesus is calling us to be and um yeah these these things as i said like i need more of these we can never be complacent thinking, yeah, I've, I've, I'm pretty righteous. Like, I'm doing pretty well. We can never be complacent with just thinking that we're pretty good. Because I don't just want to be pretty good. I actually want to be like Jesus. I want to let his, thing, his ways and who he is transform all of who I am constantly. And I'll be on that journey for, for the rest of my life. We will never reach the end. But this is the exciting thing of being a disciple. It's not, it's not just a, you reach a point and then you get stuck. No, the reason we get stuck is because we don't go, I need more of him. And so let's keep believing that we need more of him. And let's, let's be in on this. Let's go, yeah, God, I actually want to be the disciple you want to, you're calling me to be. I, w- I want you guys to actually feel like I'm in on this. I want to hear and, and dig into these words, dig into the Sermon on Mount and let it change who I am. I'm in on God doing a work and being the disciple he's calling me to be. And so when those devotions come out, let's get into them. Let's read and just whatever time works, I'll probably send them out early morning. But um, if you read them late at night, that's fine. Whatever works. But let's actually commit to doing some of this and digging into who God is calling us to be.